0: Welcome to the K9 PT Academy podcast: Business lessons for canine rehabilitation therapists. Introducing your host, Dr. Francisco Maya. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the K9 PT Academy podcast. Business Lessons for Canine Rehabilitation therapist. Today we have another very special episode where I'm going to be sharing a second interview that I had with Megan Kelly from Online Pet Health and the Veterinary Rehabilitation Podcast. And the interesting thing about this interview is that the original audio from it was from back in August of 2020 during the live chat that we had on her uh, Facebook group for business vet rehabbers. And needless to say, if you listen to it, you're gonna notice us talking about COVID restrictions and such, you know, because that was what was going on around that time. But the interesting thing about it is that that wasn't released through her podcast until earlier this year in February, 2022. And it was still very relevant to that point, because if we go back six months in time, we know that a lot of us were talking about how to raise our rates earlier this year, the price of gas was starting to go up and such. So that's when they decided to release that podcast, which got a very good reception from her audience. And that's why I wanted to share with you all as well. So we talk quite a bit about our mindset surrounding money, which is often the biggest hurdle holding us back when it comes to charging what we're worth it. And we also talked about what you should be selling, which by the way, if you have heard me talking about it before, you know it's not the modalities that we have to offer. And we also talked about how to know if you're actually charging enough for your services. Then we went and wrapped up the conversation discussing how to go about raising our price and most importantly, how to determine how much we should be charging, which was the reason why earlier this year we released our fee calculator spreadsheet that goes through step-by-step on helping you determine what you should be charging based on your own business. To download that fee calculator, you can go to our website, canimptacademy.com or follow the link from the show notes. What we got to understand is that no matter how big or small your business might be, I cannot recommend enough actually calculating how much you should be charging rather than just picking a random number based on what other folks are charging or on what you feel comfortable charging because we're all running a different kind of business and we need to understand what works for us, okay? And the last thing I want to say is to stay tuned and save the date for September 10th at 1 p.m. Eastern time as we're going to be doing a full live training on how to charge more and be more profitable in canine rehabilitation while avoiding burnout and added stress. So follow the show notes to our to this exclusive training and block off your calendars for it because believe me when I tell you that you do not want to miss this training, especially if you're fearful to some of the economic challenges that may lie ahead and if you're fearful how a potential recession might be affecting your business. Okay, so now let's go to my interview with Megan Kelly and of course, be sure to follow online pet health and listen to the podcast, the Veterinary Rehabilitation Podcast.
1: Hey, bed Rehabbers, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, Francisco, thanks for joining me again for a Facebook Live. This sure. is Vet Rehabbers Group. Awesome to have you.
2: Thanks for having me. Love it.
1: Um, for those of you that are joining us, thank you so much um, for coming online. And let us know where you are in the world. Um, so give us a little thumbs up and tell us where, what country you are listening from. Um, I'd love to get some feedback just to make sure that um, our sound is good because every now and again there's some sound problems with live. So please, if someone's out there and maybe one of on my team, if they can just give us a little message or a little thumbs up so we know. Thanks so much. Um, Fran, while we're waiting um, to just get that feedback, do you want to just um, tell the, the um, members of the business bed we have is a little bit about you? So I think most people will know about you, but maybe there are a few new ones who are not sure who Francisco is
2: yeah yeah thanks for having me so i am a canine physical therapist uh i live in chicago here in the united states but originally i'm from brazil i've been in the united states for 15 years now and i've been working in the field of canine rehab for going into five years now but became a business owner it's going to be almost three years ago in september of 2017. that's when i left the clinic where i was at and opened my own business and along with that came a lot of lessons which a lot of those we're gonna to touch today when we're talking about you know price and everything. Um, I've invested heavily on, on learning all this business stuff because I knew I wanted to make this work. And then this led into me also mentoring other canine physical therapists, both so far in the United States and Canada, into how to go about this themselves as well. And and I love, for those who have seen me around, I love talking about marketing. I love talking about selling, but, but probably this, This topic, price, money, and stuff, is probably my absolute favorite one. And, yes, it does tie up a lot to selling, so that's going to get brought up too because I feel like there is such a need in our field for us to understand things a little bit better, Uh, and and, and that's why I, I have this passion to try to show to people how important it is to get comfortable talking about money and get comfortable about charging what we're worth.
1: Thanks, Francisco. Um, For Online Pet Health members, you will have seen Francisco in our Business Basics um, section. So um, Fran does quite a lot of training for us. And I think his last one was on Google AdWords, which was really interesting. So if you haven't popped over to have a look at that, it's in the Business Basics section. So Fran, when you think about like you're talking about us, we need to be able to speak about money. And um, it's something that I think about, you know, Whenever um there a payment has to happen, I remember just like basically leaving, you know. So like somebody we know like one of our clients maybe hasn't paid and needs to pay and then I'll just rush into my consult room and leave it up to the receptionist because it's an awkward it's an awkward thing to deal with, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's this is not just like in our field. This is in healthcare in general that people have a really hard time dealing with the money talk. And and at least in the United States, we were brought up thinking that there is no selling in healthcare. And we need to understand that selling is being done every day to us and for us, right? And And you don't go a single day in your life without selling someone on something, without selling your partner on what to watch on Netflix, on what to have for dinner, selling a client on the plan of care, on why to do the exercises at home. Whatever it is, there's selling involved. Now, sometimes the selling doesn't involve the monetary transaction. And and, and we're okay with selling when it doesn't involve a monetary transaction. Mm-hmm. When it comes to money, that's when things get a little bit iffy. And, and, and it, a lot of it is because of our own false beliefs that we tend to hold towards money as being something bad as being something icky, you know, a lot of the sayings that we heard growing up, like, you know, more money, more problems, uh, money doesn't bring happiness, like that kind of stuff, like really gets ingrained into our brain from a young age. So that leads into us as adults having a hard time talking about money, because we were taught as it being something wrong to deal with.
1: Yeah, I mean, if I think about it, I mean, and that's also one of the reasons why, you know, if we have a client maybe that can't afford the treatment or, you know, you sort of feel like you should do it for free or you should do it at a discounted rate, I mean, does it come to like whether we value ourselves and our knowledge? Because I think that sometimes um, professionals actually forget the journey and everything that they've gone through in order to get mm-hmm. where they are. And, um, you know, like we know a lot, I mean, and we have spent hours and hours and hours learning it and days and years learning all of that. And, and we mustn't forget it. So we must really value what, what we've learned and what we're able to to give for that money exchange, right?
2: Yes. We need to absolutely value it because it's a big investment financially. To get our level of education it's a big investment in time and a lot of sacrifices come along the road to, to achieve the position that we're into but the one thing i will caution canine therapists to be careful is then to not fix on that when you're trying to sell people on on why they should be working with you at a higher price meaning that we we're not selling them our credential and our expertise right and and that's a little bit of what we're taught it's like, well, you can charge more if you start getting all those letters behind your name that you're certified in this, certified in that, training this, training that. And you gotta be really careful because that that actually doesn't change anything. Because in reality, the people are not shopping or they're not like going around and paying a higher price for something that just because it's a higher level of expertise. Instead, they're buying, they're shopping and paying more for something that gives them the value that they're looking for. And and a prime, prime example of that that we see every day around us is uh, Apple. Right. Apple is, is widely used as an example of that, where people are willing to pay significantly more for an Apple phone, for a MacBook, whatever Apple product it is, like two, three times more than the same product that you could get as a as a Microsoft Dell or whatever other company. Um, if you look at the specs, you know, the computer and the phone, it's, it's two three times more. But the reason why we're willing to pay more for Apple is because of the value that they bring to us, the customer experience that they bring it to us. So, yes, we need to value ourselves with the expertise that we bring to the table. But we need to be very careful because that's not what we should be selling to people.
1: So, I mean, what what should we be selling then? Selling the transformation that we can give them and their pets?
2: Yeah, so so the first thing that we need to understand is that we're not in the canine rehabilitation business or animal rehabilitation business. We are in the customer experience business. And and we need to first of and foremost, like understand that there is a difference over there. And once again, look at Apple as an example. When you go to the Apple store, what's the experience that you get compared to if you go to just like a like a Best Buy or something like that, right? So so we need to understand that. And then you're absolutely right. So what we're trying to sell to people is the the value that we bring to them and the outcome that we bring it to them. And and not our credentials, like I mentioned before, and not the services that we provide. That's probably one of the biggest mistakes that I see is K9 rehabilitation clinics trying to sell the services, trying to sell the modalities, the underwater treadmill, the, the acupuncture, the whatever it kind of is that you're trying to sell, like that's a commodity, right? And, and and let's take the underwater treadmill as an example. If you're trying to sell the underwater treadmill as a commodity, what will it happen when a competitor opens just two miles from your clinic selling the same thing but for less? If people just see that as you selling the underwater treadmill, then they're going to go to the place where it costs less because they're not going to see a difference between you selling them on, on the underwater treadmill and the c- competitor selling them on the underwater treadmill right so so going away from selling the commodity and selling the value the result the outcomes that you bring it to them it's where the difference is going to be made <laughs>
1: So what is the biggest mistake that vet rehabbers make when setting their prices? Because, you know, when you first start your clinic, one of the questions is what should I charge?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I I actually love sometimes when I've done some in-person training on this, asking people like how many of you in the room consider yourself to be average therapist, raise your hand. Right. And and literally no one raises their hand because everyone thinks they're, above average, right? So then I ask, okay, then why are you charging average prices, right? You can't provide top of level service by charging average prices. So that's probably the number one mistake people make and I've made too when I open my business is, well, let me look around to see what other people, what other clinics around me are charging. And I'm just gonna go ahead and kind of like average out mm. to whatever price I feel comfortable with, right? Without taking in consideration the true cost of running the business, especially when it comes to, to the administrative cost of running the business. So what I recommend to people, especially when they're starting, and more often than not, when people in our field are getting started, it's kind of like a one person show where you're just starting your business and maybe you're doing mobile or you're renting out a space in a clinic, but you're mostly kind of like doing everything. What, what I recommend to people in those scenarios is treat yourself as an employee of the business, right? So meaning, when when you're when you setting the prices for your session, how much will be left for the business after you pay yourself as the therapist? Right? And that's something that people don't take into consideration because what they take into consideration is like, okay, it costs me, it costs me, you know, this much to rent this room or this much in gas and, and mileage and whatever. And then I want to make X amount of money at the end of those expenses. So I'm gonna charge, you know, this much. But they don't take into consideration a lot of like, okay, if I am running the business and now I'm not the therapist seeing the patient, I still need to make money as the business. Right. So what's the leftover after I paid the therapist for the visit and after we absorbed administrative costs? There needs to be some money right there that it goes towards you, the business owner. And that's probably the number one thing that that I usually recommend to people who are just just getting started.
1: Yeah, because I mean, vet rehab practices should be making profit, Right. Um, so, I mean, that's the money that goes to you as the owner, right? I mean, and I think this is a question that I'd love to ask um, people that are listening here. So who of you know whether your, um, your, your practice is actually making profit or not? So you can either just say, yes, I'm making profits, I'm breaking even, I'm losing money. Um, because, you know, if you're not making profits, then you might as well be working for somebody else because all you have is a business that you're just – putting even more hours in. Um, and you have, to, you have to get something on top of just your salary um, mm-hmm. because owning a business, as we know, is more than just doing the consulting and being a therapist. It's all the other stuff too. And that's where the profit comes into it. You should be getting dividends and you should be paying yourself um, profits on a regular basis. And if your practice isn't making profits, then you've got to work out why. Um, so how do you know, Fran, if you are charging enough?
2: Right, I love that question, and for me the simple answer is if you're not getting any pushback on your prices, then you're simply not charging enough. So there needs to be a health amount of pushback, that's like a normal kind of thing, it's an expected kind of thing, and if there is a little pushback of some people saying, nah, that's too much, then you, you know you're charging a decent amount, but you got to have systems put in place that are going to overcome those, those objections. But more often than not, and here's the funny thing: more often than not, we're not, we're not, we, we are so scared to talk about money with people that we want to avoid those conversations, right? So then we, that's why we need to get comfortable talking about money because what we're trying to do is avoiding the rejection. We don't want to be rejected. No one wants to be rejected. It's human nature. So we end, we ended up undercharging ourselves because we don't want people to say no to us because we we feel we're gonna feel weird about it we're gonna feel that we're doing something wrong about it by people saying no to us and because of that we try to appease to those people by charging like a lower price but we need to understand that like i usually say 30 percent like 30 percent of people that contact our clinic right away they're not a good fit for us because they're they're just price shopping Right. And that's OK. There are going to be other places around that they can go to. And then we have systems built in place over time that it gives the people time to understand, you know, why they will make the right decision to work with us. And 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 that's something that that takes uh, uh, building those systems in place costs money. But at the same time, clinics tell me that they can't put those systems in place because they don't have enough money because they're not charging enough. So it creates this loop way you, you can't run the business how you want to run the business because you're not charging enough, but you're afraid of charging enough for you to be able to run the business how you can run your business. And then that's when uh, clinics and people who are like self uh, you know owners they ended up getting to this loop for years and years and years, and that's going to lead to stress, that's going to lead to burnout, that's going to lead to them feeling overworked and undervalued. And, and I remember, I think it was, I don't remember if it was in this group, the business rehab group or your small animal group, but it was definitely one of those uh, uh, late last year around the holiday season. There was a very interesting thread of like, what what were people doing around the holidays as far as time off? And I found it fascinating how many people are like, well, I can't take more than two days off. Otherwise, like, like the business falls apart. And I'm like, if, if, if that's your case, then that's a symptom that there is something significantly wrong with the way you're running your business. If you can't shut it down for a week for you to spend some time with family, for you to relax, for you to recharge your energy, recharge your batteries, there's something wrong with the business and, and the way things are being run at that point.
1: Yeah, so I love that. So you want to hear people complaining that your prices are too high. Mm-hmm. You're on the right spot. Let's chat about those symptoms. So what are some, what are some other symptoms that your business, your, your vet rehab practice is probably not running as optimally as it should?
2: Um, well, there's quite a few different ones. So probably the main one would be not paying staff, not paying yourself enough. That's probably one of the biggest complaints of like, well, we can't we can't pay our therapist, we can't pay our vet, we can't pay our physio, whatever they used to make in, in general practice, whatever they used to make in human physio because there's no money there. So that's probably one of the biggest ones. Like we if if you can't pay your staff, if you can't pay yourself what what is a fair market value for what you offer, that's probably the first symptom. The second symptom, like I said, is the fact that if you feel like you're burning at all ends with everything, because a lot of times that that's the point where like two, three years into being a one person show, a lot of therapists get into it. It's like, okay, now we're busy. Now we we got a busy schedule, but they're burning at both ends. They're just working. Like crazy. They can't travel for holidays. They can't do anything like time with their family is being sacrificed because of that. And yet they don't have the money to hire staff that can help them because they're not charging enough. So that's what that would be probably the, the, the second most common symptom um, that I see it happening.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, if I see that, there are a lot of bed rehabbers out there that work long hours, right? They're working long hours. They're fully booked um, and they're not making the money that they should, um, they should be. And they need to look and say, well, how is this ever gonna change? Because most most times people think when they have their own business, you know, you, you think to yourself, well, you go through these you know, a few years where you're supposed to work really hard, right? And then it's, it gets better. But if you're fully booked or you're working really long hours and you can't take a break and you you're not earning you're not paying yourself as much as you should and you can't afford to hire anyone else to help you there's something wrong there right
2: Mhm right and and that's probably like a, a one of the most common scenarios that we see it or sometimes just just taking away from from the self-employed people but the clinics too like, I, I have seen and consulted with clinics that they're busy. They have a wait list of, like, weeks of patients to get through the door. And yet, the, the clinic or the rehab department, if it's part of a larger clinic, it's not generating generating profit. H- how is that possible? If you have a wait list of people to get in, meaning your schedule is full, there is no space, and you're not generating profit, then, then that's a huge symptom of, like, something like... Significantly wrong with the way things are structured, with the way things are priced, right? Because if you have a business schedule, then you should like if 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 the department or the clinic has a schedule with a wait list, meaning your schedule is 100% full, then any any financial advisor is going to tell you that you should be generating about 15-20% profit every month. So if you're not generating 20% of profit every month, then then there's something wrong with the way things are being done.
1: Yeah, I mean, so it's two things, really. Either you've got really high expenses um, mm-hmm. or two, you're not bringing in enough money, which often is that you're just not charging enough. So you're right. charging too little, um, which is making you needing to see so many patients throughout the day, but you're still not actually making that profit. So let's say one of the, the listeners, one of the vet is now is thinking, well, that is me, Okay what do they do about it? Um, so you know, let's say they're seriously undercharging and they know that they need to, to increase their prices. How do they know what to increase their prices to? What would be a good way for them to work back um, to work out you know, how much they should be charging per consult?
2: Yeah, so I think in that scenario, the first thing would be for the person to do a lot of self-searching to understand, first of all, why that's the case because a lot of it is gonna come from their own mindset, their own beliefs around money. And un- unless you first break that mindset, then it's gonna get very hard because yes, technically you can raise the price, but then if you raise the price and, and you're not comfortable having the conversation with people around yeah. money, then it's it's not gonna make a difference because selling is a transfer of energy, a transfer of confidence, clarity, and trust. Right. That's what selling is. So if you don't have that energy, if you don't have that confidence, if you're not giving them clarity when you're talking about money because of your own false beliefs towards it, then then that's a moot point. Then you got to work on that first. Now, once you've done that, once you kind of like worked around your own mindset around that, then the best way is, is, like I mentioned earlier, is just to work it backwards. I work it backwards as the business owner and not just as the therapist. So look at your costs, especially if you've been running this business for a while, you probably know how much your operating cost is on a, a monthly basis. So look at your operating cost. Look at, if, if, let's say this is still like a one person show, look at how much you would need to be making as a therapist. And then that's kind of like your salary. So that would be your salary as a therapist So your salary as a therapist plus your operating costs, plus add like a 20% profit into the margin, add all that up and divide by the number of sessions that you need to be seeing. And that's going to give you a, a, a general good idea of how much you should be charging. And then usually speaking, what I tell my mentees is rule of thumb, whatever money you feel comfortable charging, raise that by at least 25%. Because it needs to be a money. It needs to be an amount that in the beginning, you're, you're, you are a little bit uncomfortable. Now you're not, you're not passing to people that feeling of uncomfortable. You've got to have the confidence. You've got to have the clarity. But I cannot tell you how many times it has helped. It has happened where some of my mentees have raised their price and then they got like very, cl- like no no, none or very close to no pushback at all. And then they kind of like, it hit themselves in the head thinking like oh my god I could have raised my price six months ago and I would have made an extra twenty thousand dollars over the last six months just by doing that right and that's okay it's all learning process kind of stuff but that's one thing that like I, I highly encourage anyone to do it too right so let's say for example you're you're sitting right there in the scenario that you're explained where like overworked just busy but don't have the money to hire help to do this, what you want to do. And let's say you're charging $75 a session, which what I've seen here in the United States, it is a little bit about like, you know, they average more so $75. And you're seeing uh, 50 appointments a week. So kind of like fairly busy. So if you're working five days a week, that would be what, like 12, 12 appointments a day. Right. So something doable. So you're, so you're bringing 50 times 75, that's $3,750. So if you were to raise your price from $75 to 125 so you're adding $50 to each session, That so $50 times 50, 50 sessions for the, for the week, that's an extra $2,500 a week. And let's say you're taking two weeks off for vacation, so you're working 50 weeks out of the year, right? That's going to be 2,500 times 50, That's an extra $125,000 in one year, right? So now we're talking. So now think about it. How different would your business be today if in the last 12 months you had made an extra $125,000 compared to what you have made?
1: Yeah, exactly. So we've got a few questions, Fran. Um, Donna says, one problem is some pet insurance limits. HPW, how much they will pay out for a session, meaning owners see the, those as you being overpriced. So maybe the insurance companies say we'll only pay this amount um, towards it, and then mm-hmm. they see it, yeah as being overpriced. Um, I think that mm-hmm. does happen, and it happens in the human field too. I mean, my um, Gaini, for example, when mm-hmm. I had my kids, she charges 400% insurance rates, the medical aid rates. Um, and there are Garnies that charge 100%, so just the normal rates, but I choose to go to the person who charges 400% and I'm prepared to pay it because she's the best. Um, so, yeah, I think that you maybe have to change your mindset. What do you think about that, Fran?
2: Yeah, I, I think uh, you, you hit it in the head. It's like that happens in the human world too. And, and you know, people are paying their co-pays, their coinsurance and, and all that kind of stuff. It, it is what it is. Um, I know insurance is a little bit different, like um, in the United Kingdom, for example, compared to the United States. Here in the United States, most pet insurance companies pay as a percentage, um, although some of them started changing or some of them are starting to put a cap on it. So they're paying more as a percentage on what like we're invoicing the clients and then they refund the client directly kind of stuff. But it's it's it still comes down to the value and the outcome. You know, and, yeah. and it, it is no different than, than the human world. So for those who have experience in the human world, you, you can have a clinic that is uh, seeing patients under insurance and they're, the therapist, you know, usually seeing like three four patients an hour trying to juggle and stuff because they have to see more patients, a higher volume because insurances pay less compared to a clinic that is doing what we call cash based physical therapy, where they're considered like out of network and they're charging significantly more, but you get more the individualized care, you get then most of the time a better outcome and better results because of that. So it still comes down to not what the pet insurance is dictating you to charge, but what you need to be charging as a business owner. Because if, if we're letting a third party, a pet insurance company, that their bottom line is to basically pay you as little as they possibly can then that's not going to be the way to run a business.
1: Yeah. So you can't dictate your prices because that's what they're prepared to pay. You know, if Mm -hmm. I think about it, you know, you know, if you think about people, it doesn't matter who they are, whether they're doctors, you know, if any service, there's also this perception when you charge less compared to when somebody charges more, the person who charges more is better, Right. Um, there's this this perception about it. And how did you feel when you raised your prices? Did you see a change in the perception um, of your practice and and you as a therapist? Or do you think it was not because of that, because of your change in mindset actually that shifted?
2: Yeah, so there was a a lot of mindset shift towards that. The one thing that, that I even wrote here as a point I wanted to hit is to not forget that low prices will only attract clients who are only concerned about low prices, hmm. right? And it, you charging a higher price helps filter the people who are looking for certainty and who are looking for the value that you bring to them. And, and, and one of the things that I found fascinating was when I would have interns or I would have physical therapists like shadow me for a day or two, they like Almost all of them would bring it up the fact that they're like, oh, my God, friend, like all of your clients are like so awesome. They're like great people. They're great to have a conversation with. They're not that kind of person who kind of like drains, you know, the energy away from you. And, and what I've realized is that, yes, that happens because like price being one of them, because the people who are those clients that you look at the schedule for the next day and like your heart already sinks of like, oh, my God, I got to deal with that personality with that kind of person that kind of like takes energy away from you like like those kind of people are not going to pay because they're not going to value they're not going to pay a higher price because they're not going to value so that's going to serve as a filter for you to basically have a clientele that aligns more with your values that aligns more for what you do and are going to at the end of the day just make every day a much more enjoyable day So yes, you're still going to be working a lot. Don't don't you know? It's not like you're not going to be kind of like working a lot, especially as a business owner. But they're not going to drain the energy away from you, and it's going to be those people who you're going to see them every day, and you're just going to be so excited to work with them.
1: Yeah, you're going to be attracting the clientele that you want to actually see and to be Mm -hmm. part of your. So let's say okay. So you realize right, I need to increase my prices. How do you go about it? Um, Because obviously Mm -hmm. you've got a whole lot of clients. And I think there's a question here. If you realize your prices are too low, then you increase that by 25%. How would you suggest expanding that increase to existing old price clients without upsetting them?
2: Yeah. So, And and that's always a challenge. So the main thing to understand it is that it's about making your current clientele feel respected and listened to. Right, Of course, if you ask them, it's like, hey, I'm going to raise the prices when you're okay with that. Like, like 90% of them are going to say no. Yeah. Right. But if you do so in a way that it shows that you respect and you value them, and that's the difference. If you do that in a way that it shows that you're doing this for them and not to them because you're growing, and, and you need to be able to afford staff, afford help to continue bringing them the highest level of service that you can for them, then they're gonna buy in. And if you do so in a way that it shows that you, you, you respect the business that they have given to you by for example, giving them a grace period of like for the next few months, you're gonna continue paying like the, the current rates that you're paying. Just know that everyone coming through the door from this point on, it's going to, like new clients, are paying these new rates. But because I value and appreciate you, I'm going to keep you at this current low rate for the next four months. And then when that four months comes is coming to an end, I'm going to allow you to purchase a package of however many sessions you want to purchase with that old rate as well. So that way it's going to be up to you to decide how you want to move forward afterwards. Right. So you, So you're respecting them. And, and you're showing them that you really appreciate them and you're not imposing anything on them. The biggest mistake when it comes to that, which is interestingly enough, the most common way people do it is sending a letter or an email that you're raising your prices. And that's probably the biggest mistake because it, it, it does not show any respect for those people. You need to have this conversation in person. Like whenever you're raising the price on someone, that conversation needs to help, needs to happen one on one in person. And and once again, it ties back to then you feeling confident about having these conversations because if you don't feel confident, then that's where you're going to reach some reach some of those roadblocks.
1: Yeah. So do you su- suggest like an incremental increase or just increase to the amount that you have decided now? And that's what I'm going to charge.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I, I, I I my my philosophy is if you're going to increase it, then increase it. There's no it's point of increasing by like like three percent or whatever it is and then six months from now after you have gone through all the pain of increasing all the all the 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 feelings of increasing the price all the the changing operations that comes along with it and then six months from now you're like oh shoot i gotta increase it again right so i'm I'm a big proponent of like if you're gonna increase it just like increase it and and the easiest way to do so it's with the new clients so then every new, every new inquiry that comes through the door, everyone that calls them, just, just start like, charging the new price because like, you know, that's the easiest way. And that's going to allow you to test it out too, right? And that's one of the things that I mentioned earlier that some of my, when I tell that, and some of my mentees do it, and then suddenly the next, let's say that they're like, the next five calls that I get, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the new price. And then suddenly four out of the five calls move forward with the new price then they're like, oh, shit, I should have raised those prices sooner, right? Because yeah. there was very little pushback over there, right? So, so usually that's the best way to go about
1: it. Yeah, and I love that grace period for your current clients because it does show that you appreciate them and then that makes them feel really special because, you know, uh-huh. because most companies, like you say, would just say flat price increase throughout um, if they get that grace period for four months. I think the, the the struggle is remembering who's on which rate. So you'd have to have a system for that. Um, so that you make sure that you don't charge somebody the wrong amount um, during that grace period. What about um, yeah. inflation increases? I mean, do you do a, a yearly increase?
2: I haven't because I just like raised the price as needed. We, we've had the same price point now since the beginning of the year. So I haven't raised, but, um, but, in my first year of business within the le- within the first twelve months, I raised my price I think four times so that's the other thing too. Don't think that you can only raise the prices once a year or whatever it kind of is like you can raise the prices whenever you feel that it's the right time to do it yeah. right so so we haven't done yearly increase and and that's something too from from what I have learned it, it also kind of like draws back people a little bit too so sometimes a lot of clinics will have the, the letter kind of like or the, the announcement by the front desk saying hey due to increase in you know in taxes and water bill and this this and that we are increased our cost by two and a half percent whatever it is and 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 once again it comes back to doing something true for people instead of two people when people read that, when people hear that, it feels that, okay, they're, re- they're raising the price to me mm-hmm. instead of for me. There's, there's nothing that I'm gaining yeah. from that, right? But, but if you do so in a way that, like, hey, like we're raising these prices because, as you can see, we're growing, we're getting busier, and for us to continue keeping, providing everyone the same level of service that we provide to you. We're going to be, we're going to be able, we're going to need to raise our prices, right? So, so you start having those conversations. And, and, and one of the things I always recommend to my students, especially when they're just starting and it's like, you know, like a one person show kind of thing is not being afraid of sharing with their clients what their vision is. Like, like, sh- like share with them, where do you see your business going? Like, do mm-hmm. you want to have a multiple? multiple therapists within three years? Do you want to have a facility within the next year? Because when you start sharing that with people and people like what you're doing, people like you, they're going to have that buy-in. So then when it comes time to, to, to raise prices, they're mostly going to understand because they know that it's going to be a cost associated with you being able to help more pets by, by having a team, by having a clinic and, and whatever it is. Right. So, so sharing, sharing that with people and, and, and also, acting in a way, portraying yourself in a way that that you're bigger than just you, right? And, and and one example that was very fascinating was like one of my first clients who I still see them like once a month at this point, one of my first clients in January of 2018, they told me uh this later on and they told a couple of PTs that were like sharing me for a session with their dog at different dates later on that when I spoke them with them on the phone in January of 2018 they had no idea that the business was just me because of the way I portray myself, it just made it seem bigger than just me. But then once I got to know them and and I explained to them, they're like, oh shoot, Like they thought I had this whole team working behind the scenes and stuff. So it's not like I'm lying to people, but it's just the way you like come out. It's the way you portray yourself, right? And that helps already put people in a position where they understand that that things are going to be moving in a certain direction that is going to cost some money. It's going to increase the operational costs. And because of that, there is a good chance that there's going to be an increase in in the cost of the session at a later date.
1: Yeah, and the thing is, is the majority of your clients actually want you to succeed. They mm-hmm. do. Um, you know, if you if they're in that, they follow that journey with you, they want you to do well. They want you to expand if that's what you want, you know. Um, because also the, when you are succeeding, then you're there and available for their pets. Um, so remember that mm-hmm. when you're increasing your price, those ones that are existing clients, um, most of them will actually support you in what mm-hmm. you're doing, especially like you say, friend, like if you, if you're sharing your journey with them so that they know actually, oh yeah, this is great. You know, he wants yeah. to get, or she wants to get another therapist. Um, in order to do that, you know, they need to be earning more money. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So and,
2: it- and, and the one thing I'll add to it, too, not only they want you to succeed, but they want you to be able to help other pets too, the same way you help their pets. Because at the end of the day, they're all pet lovers, yeah. you know, and they're not selfish people. So So if they understand that you're doing this so you can help more pets, like they're going to be on board with it.
1: So what was that percentage? So so let's just take the average therapist. So like if you think of the people that you mentor now, what is the average percentage that they increase their, their prices by? So just to get a ballpark figure for oh, the business vet, we have this thing. Like.
2: I don't know if I have that number. The one thing I encourage all of my students, it's, you know, because a lot of them are, or, or were when they started working with me, just opened their own, like, you know, business. So yeah. I always encourage them to to already start by charging more. So a lot of them already open their business, charging sometimes double the amount than what the clinic in town was like charging, you know, because once again, if you're open in the business, then you know, already start with a higher rate. So that way you don't have to go through the pain of like raising your rates three, four months into it. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't feel I have like a like a percentage. Um, I will usually say though that of here in the United States, I, I know it's different in other countries and even within the United States, of course, there is some geographical, uh, you know, difference, but I'll say that any canine therapist in the United States should not be charging less than $150 a session. You know, I, I feel personally that that's the bare minimum that like we need to be charging for, for the level of service that we can provide.
1: A one What's hour that? the the yeah, then? yeah and i
2: guess that's going to depend a lot on kind of like how you structure but then um we we structure like we block off like a full hour for for all of our patients but then you know that's a that's a good that's a good thing that you brought it up the time right because then a lot of people kind of like not not fight back to me but they they kind of like try to to kind of like find validation of like okay i'm not i'm not charging 150 I'm charging $75, but my appointment is 30 minutes. So technically speaking, they're like, I'm charging $150 for the hour. And I'm like, that's fine. I understand where you're coming from. But think about it, that all the administrative costs that it's going to cost you to run the business, that for you to bring the same amount of revenue is going to require you to have double the amount of patients. That means double the marketing. That means double the staff. That means double the hassle and double the headaches. Right, yeah. So I'd I rather, I rather you you're charging more for the one hour, but instead of seeing 15 patients a day, you're seeing eight patients a day, but then you're bringing the same revenue into the business because that's gonna be a business that's gonna require less overhead, it's gonna require less staff, and it's gonna be a much more enjoyable business for you to run as a business owner.
1: Yeah, so um, I don't know who it is because b won't tell us, but somebody says, I need to move to the U.S. So obviously that one hundred and fifty um, dollars an hour so- well, sign. Of the-
2: that, that's my opinion, but like I said, yeah. I feel like yeah. like on on average is much less than that. Like if I work yeah. people on average it's more like between like seventy five and ninety dollars, you know, kind of like a session.
1: Well, the thing is, is if if we all start to charge more, then that's what the profession dictates. That's what people are charging, right? So it's sort of like gynees are known to be charging a lot of money for their consultations, and everyone charges mm-hmm. that amount. So if we all charge what we're worth, and even more than what we're worth, um, then the profession is going to – people in the profession are going to be earning more money um, and being able to treat animals to the optimum, too, because that's what I worry about. I think, like, a lot of them, like you say, those – half hour, because you try and maybe cut the costs a little bit and maybe do a half an hour consult instead of an hour consult, um, so that it's a bit more affordable. But then are you doing, is that the best for the animal? You know, are the animals getting the mm-hmm. best from that? Um, so right. we, we need to raise raise the, the standard now of what um, people are charging. Um, thanks, Fran. So I wanted to ask you um, just about maybe a little bit of a personal story from your side, like the change mm-hmm. in your practice and you as a, um, as a vet rehabber, like from the time where you did that price increase. So maybe mm-hmm. you did it. How did that, how did that change things for you?
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that, that was, that, that was what has allowed us to grow to the level that we have grown where in, in not even three years of being in business. Now we have, you know, a team of four, Two therapists plus two admitted staff. We have a facility that we opened this year. And and most of the time when, when clinicians ask me, it's like how many patients are you treating a week? And I tell them, they're like, oh my God, they're like, I see more patients than you do, and I cannot grow my business. And I'm like, well, like that's one of the reasons why. Yeah. Right. So 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 it has, you know, it has been what has allowed the growth to happen. And because of that growth, now we can help more pets now we can help more more people more yeah. more staff meaning you know i can have a therapist who who she had been wanting to transition from working with humans to animals and i was able to bring her in i have a front desk staff who had been working in for the last 11 years in the field of veterinary medicine in a couple of veterinary clinics but she was looking for a change and I was able to afford to bring her in, right? So it's not just about us. It's like think about um, on the lives that you're changing on your clients and the lives that you're changing on with your staff along the way. And and along that journey, there's you know a few key points that I wrote down that, that I wanted to kind of like to maybe kind of like mention and 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 then if we have time, we can go from there, or maybe it can just be some some takeaway takeaway points. So the first one is that we we need to have the permission to be ourselves and and that was something that i really struggled with especially in the first year of like owning my own business that that i was still afraid of like who i was in terms of like my confidence my self-esteem uh how i put myself out there and everything so once i found in myself the permission to be the best version of myself that made a whole lot of things easier because at that point Once I become comfortable with myself, then then I was able to give people more energy, give people more clarity, more confidence, and more trust, which that's what selling is about, right? And we need to understand that we only have a finite amount of energy, especially people like me who are introverts. And And anytime I interact with people personally, like they take away some of my energy. And for me to recharge myself, I need to kind of like be by myself. Like you you only have a finite amount of energy. And you can use that energy towards worrying about something, like the price that you're charging, or towards making other people feel great about you. And if you choose the second one, your life is going to be so much easier, and you're going to feel so liberated about the way you're running your business. And, and instead of worrying about that, focus on how you can be the best version of yourself and then as you become the best version of yourself, people are just going to want to align with you. Clients are going to want to work with you. Staff is going to want to work with you. Right. So that's the one thing. The second thing was to understand that price is very rarely the actual problem that people have it with you. They'll tell us that it is the price. But in reality, it's not. And 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 there's a lot of like psychology, um, you know, tie around the behind that. So, so first of all is that we tend to think that our patients feel and think the same way that we do about what we charge. But in reality, they don't, especially with us as business owners. We are the ones who are emotionally tied to our business, right? So, mm-hmm. so we are the ones who, who have that fear of rejection, that fear of what people are going to think us about our business and everything. So one of the biggest mindset shifts I had to make it was when I, Stopped striving to to make people happy. I stopped looking forward to make people like me, and instead, I shift my focus into make people respect me. and 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 that's a big difference. So, to and, and and some people might take this the wrong way, and that's okay. But my goal in life is not to make people like me; it's to make people respect me. And and that's a big difference because if you're just trying to appease to people, which it is a lot of the traits that we have as healthcare professionals. We, you know, we just want to make people happy. Then, then some people, unfortunately, are going to abuse that, and and we need to be really careful with that. So you need to understand that being respected is what we should be striving towards. It. So then, if price is not the issue, then what is the issue? And that's when it comes down to a little bit of the psychology behind it, on on what people are really saying to you, right? So so. What that does, the price conversation stuff, it, it creates a, a level of distrust. So, so if, if you're not selling that confidence, if you're not selling the clarity, people are not going to trust you, right? And a higher level of distrust is going to cause people to have a mental discomfort, meaning in their head, they're going to be battling kind of like what to do, right? And, and that mental discomfort is going to lead to what in psychology we call cognitive dissonance. So cognitive dissonance is that unpleasant sensation in our brain that makes us feel physically uncomfortable when we're thinking about about buying something, right? So when we're thinking about something buying something, especially if it's uh, something that costs quite a bit of money, and we start telling ourselves that like like all those negative feelings, that's like cognitive dissonance. It's it's our brain trying to correct the physical emotion that we're kind of like feeling at that point and if that sensation gets bad enough that's when we start seeing things to escape that right so that's when people say to you oh it's too expensive or right now it's not a good time or i gotta you know i i I gotta do this first i gotta do that first whatever it is so this unpleasant feeling is what people move away from right and it's more often than not not the price that you charge So what you need to do is build systems that sometimes give people time to make the decision to see you. And over time, like if you build the right systems in place, like I've had clients that, I have one client that started working with us two weeks ago, that they first started talking with us a little bit over a year ago, in like May of 2019. And, And we've been in contact with them, they've been getting our emails and all that kind of stuff. So then it finally happened 12 months later that they're like, okay, we need to book something because you know now things got a little bit worse, right? So you, you got to understand that some people are going to need some time. Now that's an extreme amount of time, but people sometimes going to need a month, two months, three months, you know, to make the decision to realize that you are indeed trying to help them. And and the last point I would make it, uh, it's to never forget that it's okay for us to make money while helping other people. There's this big taboo in healthcare that you know we shouldn't be making money while helping people and it's okay for us to make money in canine rehabilitation to so be constantly serving everyone else without taking care of ourselves first that's what leads into a downward spiral that's what leads into those feelings of being stressed out into feeling burnouts and all that kind of stuff and if you're truly good at what you do meaning you have that skill set that you can really really make the difference in people's lives in their pets lives then you have an obligation to charge higher prices so you can help them in the long term. Because what good are you going to be to those people, to those pets, if in 10, 15, 20 years from now, you're so burned out from it to the point where you don't even want to like, work in this field anymore. right? So understand that charging those prices are going to not only help you help more people, but it's going to help you protect yourself as well.
1: Love it, Francisco. Thank you so much. And for those of you that are interested, you just actually reminded me when you were talking, because it reminded me of that training that you did on managing objections um, for us. Um, So obviously, price is one of them, maybe it's not the right time. So Fran actually did a training for us looking at managing all those different objections. So if you guys have any questions, please pop them in the comments and I'll get um, Francisco to to answer them. If you are watching this as a recording, please pop them in and I'll try and see if I can get Francisco. I've got a little visitor here. Do you wanna come say hi, Sky? Yeah. Sorry, I've got a little child. She's been, I don't, if you've been hearing noises in the background, it's my yeah. youngest. She's, um, <laughs> did you hear that? Do you
2: wanna
1: come say hi? I heard a little bit, yeah. Good, okay. Um, I don't see any questions there um, so guys if you joined us live thank you so much for joining and Francisco thank you so much for your time it's been so so helpful I really think that um you know what you actually explained and taught us today I'm really hoping that the bet we have is listen to it and they go and have a look at their prices and be honest with themselves and ask them whether they should be doing a price increase
2: yeah thanks for having me
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of the K9 PT Academy podcast, Business Lessons for K9 Rehabilitation Therapists. If you enjoyed what we had to say, please make sure to share or subscribe to our podcast or even leave us a review. You can also email us at hello at k9ptacademy.com That's hello at k9ptacademy.com with any questions or suggestions and go to kniptacademy.com to find more resources and content, including our fee calculator spreadsheets, which is absolutely free and will help you determine how much you should be charging for your sessions. Because let's face it, determining what we should be charging is one of the biggest struggles we have as business owners in the canine rehabilitation field.